Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, this is Ian Lee. Thank you so much for downloading Ian Lee's Random Access Memories, a retro gaming podcast. Do check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E. And also go to my YouTube channel and look for the Random Access Memories there. Again, it's youtube.com slash Ian Lee. Thanks for downloading. I'm just going to stop because I'm my thing isn't recording. I'm so sorry. Uh, Let me just stop. Oh, what, what is going on there? That's come. That's recording totally the wrong mic. I'm so sorry. I'm so start, sorry. Start, start again. Start, start again, again yeah. and we'll do a one, two, three clap. One, two, three. I'm wondering how to start now, Faith, because a we've been chatting for about ten minutes, and b we recorded about five minutes of this before I went, and I'm supposed to be the professional, you know, with 25 years of radio and stuff, before I went, oh, my God, I'm not recording. It's recording the wrong thing. By the way, dear listener, this is uh, Faith, known as Retro Faith, um, writer, broadcaster, streamer. D- 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 what what people don't know, they watch Twitch streamers and YouTubers, and they think, oh, must be really easy. What the-. It's not easy. It's a nightmare setting all that stuff up, isn't it? Yeah, if, if you could see behind what's behind me with lights and contraptions and cables and monitors, and I've all I can see is a sea of cables, console, doing games as well, so consoles, microphones. I've got two webcams. There's there's lights. It, it's, it's the, I've got two PCs here. It's it's that to just to get a half decent stream these days. The amount of tech yeah. that goes into it is crazy. I've got like four different devices that allow me to record my record my my games and stuff and each one's got its own little quirks and needs um but yeah no i, I love it though i wouldn't change but I'm, I'm a big tech head i'm actually re- today as we're talking i was actually yeah. in the of reviewing a new bit of hardware and i just love it I, um so for me while it is causing lots of headaches once it all gets working and you see it you kind of feel like yeah this is great it's like being in the future <laughs> what now how did you get in? Because you write, you, you were just telling me, maybe we'll talk about it. You, you were on the Jeremy, you go on the Jeremy Vine show to talk about gaming and gadgets. How did you turn a hobby into, um, well, a job? 
Uh, I won't say too much time, but it's a pretty good story. So about about just over four years ago, the end of August 2019, I, I was in an office job working in London, like in the city for a like, financial firm. And uh, I'd done it for like over 10 years. I'd always, for like 15 years, I'd worked in offices doing that kind of admin, customer-focused work, all that sort of stuff. And I just woke up one day and thought, I can't do this with my life anymore. And I'm just going to quit. And I don't know where it come from. I just decided to quit. And people thought I was having like a mental breakdown. Wow. Uh, anyway, got through the quitting. And when people ask me what you're going to do, I just sort of, uh, you know, nonchalantly said, oh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to follow in uh, Dave Perry and Jazz Rignall's footsteps to become a game journalist. And they were like, OK, are you sure you're OK? <laughs> Anyway, it turned out I was a little bit depressed and I was down and went to the doctors, did all that. That's yeah. another story. But then when I kind of come out of it around the start, just just before lockdown started, I had this kind of idea that uh, let's start writing about video games and doing like YouTube videos, like reviewing old games and doing a bit of just just starting to look what's out there. How could I make because I knew I had to get a job and I thought I don't want to go back to do another office job. I just can't do that anymore, that nine to five rat race nonsense. So I just started writing and I made, made a little blog up, um, like a, you know, like a website thing and just started writing. And before long, uh, I had a couple of people that were like, we'll pay you to do that. And mm. I was like, oh, my God. OK. And then, um, yeah. And then randomly, uh, about two years ago, the BBC got in contact with me saying, oh, we uh, we're starting to look at doing stories around video games because we realize it, it's something that they don't really do. Yeah. Uh, can we add you to like a freelance pool of game journalists? Yeah. And yeah, so I do some work for them as well. So when there's a, it's normally on the radio, I've been on the, been on the BBC News a couple of times for small bits, but it's normally when it's. Um, uh, there's a big news story, like say the Harry Potter game came out and there was all that contention around J.K. Rowling, stuff yeah. like that. Or there was a big report done by the NHS about the addiction for computer games and teenagers and things. So I normally get dragged in to do that. Um, yeah, some mostly the Jeremy Vine show, some other shows as well, just local radios and stuff. Uh, yeah. And then, and then um, luckily Retro Gamer who you obviously write great for magazine well. yeah uh, that was like my dream my dream was i'm going to get article in there i remember yeah. you telling me that i remember you telling me that yeah, yeah. and it's now 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 i have articles like pretty much every month in there so yes it's all it, it was a whirlwind and do you know what turning you the question you asked was how did you go about turning a hobby into a job and it was just through through sheer perseverance and a belief yeah. Uh, my, my name is Faith, and uh, that means uh, to believe, uh, you know, to, to have faith in things. And I just had faith in myself, and I just thought I can do this. Um, I'm never going to be a millionaire from it, <laughs> but, uh, but I like it. And it feels it feels strange, like sitting at, sitting at my desk at home, writing about something I care about so much, and then seeing, you know, months later when it gets printed or yeah. if it's something for a YouTube or a broadcasting company or something, seeing it, seeing how people react to it. Yeah, it's so much more satisfying than all the much money I could go and make sitting in an office job at some bank or some insurance company or whatever. And just, you know, and it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. And I, I would say to anyone, if you've got any sort of dreams or if you've got a hobby that you're really good at, you know, woodworking or anything at all, you know, anything or painting or I don't know, crochet, just give it a go. Give it a go and try to turn it into a money because the rewards are infinite. I also think the reward of giving it a go and maybe not making it is also really, really important. That thing of, oh, God, I wish I'd tried that. I never gave that a chance. Giving it a go. Not everyone's going to make money out of it. 
you know, I've been so blessed in my career. I wanted to be on the telly and the radio. And somehow I got there. Bit of talent, quite a lot of luck. You know, it, it, it happened. I had to give it a go. I had the thought of, and I've worked in offices and I've worked in shops. The thought of doing that every day, for me, I, I just could not get my head around it. And that's not to demean those people that do those jobs. No. It, it, I, I could not get my head around it. And I, had, I, I got depressed at the thought yeah. of, of me doing that every day. And there are some people that really like the safety, if that's yep. the right word, of, of an office job or, or, or working for a company. Or, or, but for me, while I enjoyed all that stuff, and I do now live like month to month almost, like where's my money coming from? Because it's all freelance. Like I, I'm, I have, you know, very, very, very few contracted work in place. Yeah. Or if it is contracted work, it's like one or two bits a, a month or whatever. So not knowing where your money's coming from is very scary. And um, I was just in a fortunate enough position that, you know, I was able to just quit, quit the day job and go for it. Um, it's not perfect. There is there is a lot of sides to it where you end up doing work that you don't get paid for, for instance, or you end up doing lots of favours for people. Favours. Uh, yeah, it would be good exposure. Like, it'd be good exposure and all this. Sort of, and you're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's great. But, you know, I do need to get my beans on toast on the place today. You know? <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I've had a similar thing. You know, I did TV and radio for 25 years. And for the last few years of it, I was really, really unhappy. And I couldn't work out why, because it's what I'd worked towards. It was well paid, but I was miserable. And it took losing a job during lockdown to go, actually, I think I want to retrain. And now I work as a counselor and as a therapist. And now, I, you know, I've been so blessed in my career. I'm living month to month now. And it's, money is significantly tighter. tighter. I am so much happier than I was for the last three, four, five years of my broadcasting career. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I mean, for all of the the wonderful, um, yeah, benefits of having a stable, steady, safety job or whatever. Yeah, I was just miserable. It was just going and doing, clicking the same buttons on that same keyboard on that same yeah. desk every single day, and speaking to the same people over and over about the same old things day in day out. Yeah, different customers, but just same old thing. And I just thought to my, I think what happened to me was I just woke up and went, am I really going to do this till I retire? Like sit under these dim lights, you know, fluorescent lights, mm. staring at these screens, logging into these computers and hearing that phone tingle every 10 minutes. And I just thought, no. And I went for it. And I, I'll stand by what I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, money is tight and um, it's getting better as I, as I progress and my career builds. But I know I'm never going to have anywhere near as much money as I did working at a bank. But I don't care. You know what? I don't care. I used to think money and safety and having savings was everything in the world. Now yeah. I just couldn't care less. I'm just like, just live life. I can feed my kids and I, I can pay the mortgage. That's it. That's, it. That's all need I need. Life. You know, so you, you know, you said you get called in like Jeremy Vine and some other shows like that. If there's a big news story about addiction to gaming and violence and stuff, have you ever been called in because there's been a positive story about yeah. gaming? You have. Luckily, the last one, which I did uh, uh, on Friday, was uh, there was a big 90s uh, extravaganza on BBC Radio over the weekend. And um, 
mostly for music, mostly like 90s music, like yeah. pop and Blur and Oasis and all that sort of stuff. But they also, Jeremy Vine decided for his show, or his producers decided for his show, that they wanted to do like a celebration, lots of things 90s. So they were looking at things like videotapes and video games and magazines and the, the TVs and stuff. So it's more sort of around the culture of the 90s and yeah. like fashion and things. And so there, they got me into to go and show for it, Jeremy Vine some video games. We, we had some mixed... Um, results but he was happy and, and did he to experience it i can imagine him play, yeah i don't know if you've ever seen his bicycle uh videos where it's him pointing out bad drivers and good to him good for him but i can just imagine him doing that with sonic no 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 I'm, i can't believe it <laughs> i would love to yeah. see that yeah sadly that he was more interested in just speaking to me about the culture of video games in the 90s about how it was kind of a bit of a golden era and video games kind of grew up a bit in the 90s and things so but he didn't get to yeah we we sadly due to tech tech problems again back to this idea of tech i didn't have enough time to get it all working on their right. very modern displays hey. uh, a mega drive i try we got we got we got some sound out of it but uh, only a flickering picture that is he didn't get to try it but he said we'll try again soon and, i um, think i think it's sorry to interrupt i think it's important to celebrate the positive stories around gaming um, for example during lockdown Gosh, so when was, was it 2019 lockdown or 2020? I can't remember. 20, March 2020. Blimey. So my kids would have been eight and ten. And gaming was incredible because they could they weren't seeing their friends. But if they were playing Fortnite or something like that, they got the headsets on, they got the microphones, they've got a, a gang of friends. It was their way of socializing. And I kind of, once they'd done their schoolwork and stuff, I kind of let them play as, as much video games as they wanted because it was the only way they could interact and talk to their friends. And stuff, I, I, genuinely, I think it kept them sane and grounded for a lot of lockdown. Stuff like that doesn't get mentioned very often. No, I did bring this up. When we, there, was a, there was a story. Uh, the NHS ran a, um, uh, a report on the amount of teenagers they're getting in with problems around... And it started with problems around the teenagers who couldn't concentrate in school and all this sort of stuff. And when they started breaking it all down, they realised there was this whole other problem of actual addiction yeah. to video games. And that in itself is a thing. Yeah. I, I remember as a young gamer, I used to get really distraught if the com- com- Mega Drive or whatever was taken away from me, not realising back then that it was actually because I was addicted to it. But I do always, when I do those stories, like, yeah, yeah, there is the flamboyancy of this ain't bad. Let's talk about it. Especially, you know, Jeremy Vine show. He wants all that conflict. But I always make the point of exactly like you said, there's so many benefits that far outweigh the negatives to video games. Yes, there are problems with them. They can be addictive. They can be bad for your eyes and that. But then all the stuff that comes along with it, like better cognitive skills, socializing, especially now with online gaming, as you say. So there's kids that might... They have a hard time of it at school, but when they're online with their other sort of geeky friends, if that's yeah. the phrase you want to use, they, they can express themselves and be happy. Uh, it also gets people to speak about art and sound and music, especially yeah. these days with the graphics are so amazing. And there, there's so much accessibility to making your own games and things. So I think it's good for just people's overall knowledge of technology and, and where, where these things come from. So, yes, I, I would like it if I was brought more on to do things like that positive. But let's be honest, it's uh, it's like that old adage, isn't it? It's like, you know, the the conflict will sell more than the, the positive niceties. Yeah. Part of this podcast is like when I invite guests on, I, and a few of them said, what do you mean by retro? I never define it. 
I have my idea of what is retro. To me, as a 50-year-old man, I never divi- uh, uh, um, uh, I never say what I, what I think it should be. I never define it. That was the word I couldn't think of. Mm. Because it's different for everyone else. And I'm wondering what the word retro gaming means to you, Faith. It means a game that is old enough that it's not instantly accessible today. So right. for me, something like uh, a, we're going to talk about be the BBC, for instance, would be yeah. a retro games machine because you know not everyone's going to have one. You have to track one down. You have to get it working, learn how it works. Stuff like the Nintendo or Mega Drive and N sixty four and consoles like that would a retro to me. And I think my my limit for me really is is it still accessible so games say like if we move a bit forward then to more modern consoles like that have things like hdmi outputs like the xbox 360 and ps3 i struggle to think of those as retro even though they're they're like nearly 20 years old now those consoles because a lot of them still have like you know if i loaded up my 360 now or my ps3 now i can still go online to like the playstation or the xbox servers and download games and play on pay for them on there so for me Retro is when something is old enough that the manufacturer doesn't support it anymore or there's not really any new games or licensed games coming yeah. out for it. So for me, it'll be up to say like like the the last the the, the most modern retro game console that makes sense to me would be like the original Xbox. Okay. Anything back from that, I'd say, is retro. I'd say things like the 360 and the PS3 and the, the Wii are slowly getting there but you can still kind of get those online. So. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the Wii U, which came out after the Wii, you can't get online. They, I that think they've now shut been closed. everything yeah, down. Has. But they're still kind of making games for it in a roundabout right, yeah. way. I mean, they're not making... I don't mean Nintendo are producing loads of games, but people... It's still current. You can still go and buy new controllers, for instance, for the Wii U. You know, I read I read a great story yesterday that last year um, Nintendo registered they sold one Wii U in America. I love that. I don't know how they got that stat, but wow, I love that. It's that. amazing. Just one. I bet there's a lot one. more than just one. But, but yeah, maybe new. But that's what I'm yeah. saying. So that technically, and Nintendo still support that console in the sense that if your Wii U breaks, you can technically right. still send it back to Nintendo today and get it repaired. So for me, that's still a current console, even yeah. if they're not making games for it. But yeah, it's, it's difficult. Is it retro? It's, I mean, yeah, it, old games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is difficult, and it's. I don't think it's that clear cut, and I'm, I'm always interested in what people bring and what they say. Yeah, was gaming important for you growing up? Because I, I, it kept me sane when we got our first computer in about 1981, a Dragon 32. Not a great computer, but I loved it. Suddenly, I had like a. a I don't think it's an exaggeration. I had like a purpose. I found my thing. It was my thing. And I'm curious, was was gaming important for you growing up? I've got a very similar story. So, yes, I first experienced gaming when I was very young, like two or three on like a Pong machine. What one it was, God knows. Um, And then I was about three, maybe four. And my older brother got a Commodore 64. I remember it was like called the Night nightmare pack or something i had like a yeah had like a purple box i still remember very vividly and there's a i I was a little bit tiny teeny tiny bit too young though to 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 have like the cognitive responses to be able to be successful with it but then by the time i was seven and we've been playing the commodore 64 i was getting a bit better at it but i wasn't wasn't majorly interested then 
this little guy come into my life christmas 19 if i can get it right christmas 1991 sonic the hedgehog i should just say oh very quickly God. if you're listening to this you can't <laughs> see faith has an amazing room that i'm deeply envious i'm envious of i can see all kinds of um different games i can see merch I can see some game, uh, uh, Dreamcast stuff at the back. I can see some PlayStation, original PlayStation games. And there is a lot of Sonic stuff there. Yeah, if you'd see my living room, my living room is a whole <laughs> shrine to Sonic. It's like one whole wall is spread spread to and forth with like IKEA furniture just filled to wow. the room. Like top to bottom. Yeah, people see it and go, are you sure you're okay? But no, Christmas 91, Sonic comes out. And as you say about the purpose, I got really good at that game really, really quickly. And right. I mean, to the point now where like, I can speed run it and hit world records and stuff. And people, my friends would gather around going, oh my God, like, you know, you're playing the Sonic game again. And it would just, it was like this magical thing that entered in my life. I'd never, I never really had a purpose. But then all of a sudden it was like, I'm good at video games. Yeah. And I love this Sega Mega Drive and Sonic, and I'm just going to keep playing it. And I've never stopped this. The only thing that's been constant in my entire life, apart from like family, like immediate family and stuff, has been Sonic the Hedgehog. I can, I can categorically say that yeah. since the day I played it in, I first played it in Boots. Do you remember when Boots used to sell video games? Oh, Faith. I used to, yeah. the, the, the pattern was mum would go shopping in Slough every Saturday Slough, and she would leave me in, she would leave me in Boots and I would, uh, you'd, hope, you'd hope to get on the Spectrum. If that was busy, you'd hope for the Commodore. If that was busy, the BBC. You didn't want to touch the MSX or the Oric. And if they were busy, you'd go to, to Smith's next door. But that was, that was it. You'd spend yeah. two or three hours there. Mum would come and go, right, we've got everything. We're going home. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I, play, I played Sonic in boots. I remember it very clearly. I was, yeah, I was about set. I was just turned seven because it was, uh, it was 1991. Right. So that, was, that, that, that would have been some point after June 23rd when Sonic came out. And then randomly for Christmas, I didn't ask for it. None of us did. Uh, but, but me and my brothers, we got a Mega Drive wow. with Sonic 1 and uh, a few other games. And oh my God, it was like, it was incredible that moment. That moment, that was it for me. I've loved video games ever since then. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, which is why I was surprised when I asked you on. I thought, well, Faith will do something on Sonic. I was so surprised by your choice and by the machine you wanted to play it on. So you have picked Jetpack. The BBC micro version. I'm just looking, I'm just reading this. So this is um, a game by Ultimate Play the Game. Came out on the Spectrum and the Vic 20 in 1983. And it came out on the BBC micro 1984. Ultimate, well, I'm sure we'll be covering more of their games. They did some great stuff. Oh, it's yeah. the first game to be released by them. Um, 
Do you want to describe it? Yeah, sure. I've also got my notes. So, yes, exactly. As you said, it's notable for being the very first game that Ultimate played the game released. And yeah. anyone, yeah, I'm probably asking people here to, to chew on their own teeth. But Ultimate played the game became rare, which are now of, of incredibly important video game developer. And Chris and, and Tim Stamper, who developed the company, they are like, you know, they're, they're absolute legends. And that is wild. That a small, that was small. It was a company like that. A lot of those companies from the early eighties, once the, 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 the SNES and all that stuff came in, they went bust. So it's amazing that the ultimate made the transition and kept going and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, they were clever because very early on, uh, in, in, in Japan, anyone that doesn't know the, the original Nintendo was called the Famicom or family computer and the Stamper brothers, got hold of one early right. so while all the rest of the uk developers were we'll carry on with our commodore and spectrum games they were secretly behind the scenes developing games for that brilliant and then later slightly later for the game boy so they were the only uk people that really had any access to that kind of equipment and before they knew it but uh, you know but, but by the time the, the 90s come along they're pretty much a sec- uh, you know pretty much yeah. a first party developer for nintendo and then then it will get in the history is there but that's why this game's significant because it's their very first game and it was also a banger uh, a reason why it's also very notable is it was the first game they released and it got the game of the year in the, yeah. the old golden joystick stores that's how good it was so the fact that nintendo snapped them up and they they started looking beyond the uk scene of microcomputers was really was uh something that it, it, it kind of if, if they hadn't bothered to do it if they hadn't bothered to look what japan were doing we might not have never had some classic games. That they a lot of those companies weren't very far sighted. They were very much in the moment yeah. and thinking, well, this is going to go on forever and ever and ever. And of course, as we've learned consoles have a lifespan and then they go. Um, the game itself is you play this dude. I don't know if he has a name. I bet he has he a name. Well, go on. His name is, I, I, before we come on, I was doing some research. Yes, yeah, so I didn't know this. I played this game so much, but I didn't realize. So in Jetpack, the guy's name is actually Jetman. Okay. That's, I looked it up, I, I looked it up, I was like, that can't be right, but it is. So his name is actually Jetman, uh, and he's exploring planets. Uh, so it's, it's uh, what, what we call a single screen game. Yeah. And uh, the idea of every level is that you've got to build your rocket ship and then fill it with fuel at the same time, avoiding all the alien nasties, enemies flying around while you can shoot them. And then every every eight levels, it resets. Right. So you go oh, back to the start of the game. I never again. got. I never got that far. I never I, got past three or four, I think. When we said we'd Tough. play it, I, 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 could, I got to level three once right. by the skin of my teeth. Yeah. And I will talk more about the game when we get into it. But yes, it's a very, it's a, it's a very important game. Number, number one, it's, a, it's an excellent video game, especially for the time, yeah. uh, for, for reasons we'll probably go into. And secondly, it was the first game from Ultimate that would become... Oh, and it's beautiful. These big, chunky graphics, really, really bright colours. The, the, the dude... The, the, he's so responsive and flies around brilliantly. So you've got to pick up the bits of the rocket, drop it, and then pick it up with fuel. Um, what, why this game? Why did you pick this? Uh, two reasons. One, um, I knew you were a real big fan of the BBC. Love it, yeah. Anyway, I know it's your, your favourite. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll pick something on that because then it will give us something else to talk about. Um, and I also thought, I just wanted something far out there that wasn't Sonic because... I, not to take it back to talking about me, but yes, a lot of people know me for Sonic. And this is all I, about I just, you, Faith. Don't don't yeah. be embarrassed. <laughs> 
I just, I just, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm just trying to show that I actually have other, other interests in the video <laughs> game sphere as, as well as it. But do, do you know, I'll tell you what is also was the, when I, when you said pick a game, I thought well, I'll pick something on BBC. And then I realized this was the first game when I really thought about it, that I played on the BBC. Oh, and I didn't play a BBC back in the day though. I was a bit too young for that. Um, I played one probably after I, probably well into the nineties when I remember my mum who used to work at a college whenever they used to update their equipment yeah. uh, a computer or whatever she'd always bring the old crap if i can say that back to our house because wow. she knew i liked it all so i had a bbc which i'd never i've used in primary school probably a couple of times yeah. you know, for various things and all of a sudden i had games on it. and for me because i like video games i set it up and i got it working and this was the first game i played jetpack and uh, and uh, yeah it sort of opened up this world of like ultimate, I was like, oh, then yeah, went on from there. So that's why I picked it because it was the first game I played on your favorite, your favorite machine. It's it, the, the, a lot. The problem I have with a lot of these games, these old games, it's too tough. It's too oh, tough. It's, well hard. it's it's, it's unforgiving. So hard. Level one, oh, okay, yeah, I can do it. Level two, like you say, I, I played it again. I got to three once, and it's just, it's just like, oh, come on, man, give me a break, please. Unforgiving. I really wanted to because when I was reading into it, I realized that it because it, it resets itself after eight levels. It also turns out, I don't know if you remember when you were playing, but you build the rocket on the first level. Yeah. And then when you come to the second level, you've just got to collect the fuel again. And I totally forgotten about all this. So then yeah. so for, for levels two, three and four, you just collect the fuel and then jump back in the spaceship. But then by level four, when you land the spaceship again, it, it breaks apart again. So you've got to start it again. And then on the eighth level, the whole thing resets. So you got eight levels that keep flipping out. I couldn't get past the third one. Yeah. I got there once or maybe twice onto the third level. And I think it was just once actually onto the, and I just died instantly. And I was just like, ah, oh. but it wasn't, it wasn't because the game doesn't work properly. It's just because I just, I think <laughs> when I look back and play these old games, I just think this is why gaming is great. Cause it's a true challenge. Games today are just way too easy. Like I've got the new, going back to sonic i got the new sonic game yesterday and i'm already halfway through it yeah i'm literally halfway through i've seen it playing this morning again i've got to slow down because this whole ex- i'm going to just have this finished within you know 24 hours but saying that and, and you know i'm a big retro fan but i also like modern video games right and, and also yeah. I, i'd like to admit some of these old retro games some of them are rubbish you know they don't stand oh, the test when you play them today you're just like I, you're just thinking yeah. like, I used to think this game was good. <laughs> and a lot of retro people may not acknowledge that. I do. Yeah. Some of the issues I have with some of the modern games, right? Why is a game a hundred hours long? And also I remember playing Red Dead Redemption 2, right? And I said to a friend, I've been playing about four hours. It's really boring. He said, you've got to give it 12 hours. What? No, I'm not going to give a, a game. It's like watching a TV series. You get to episode five. Oh, you got to get to episode eight. No, make it good. Make it good at the start. And stuff like this um, is dead simple. You know what you got to do. If you want to play it 15, 20 minutes, boom, that's it. You're done. That's it. I, that, that's it. When, I was just, when I was playing it and just jotting down my, my thoughts as I was playing it, I, I, did, I did use the word simplicity. And I was yeah. thinking, is that doing it a disservice? But actually, you've, just, you've actually just made me feel that I've actually got confidence in my own word there. Because you're yeah. right. Some of the... I mean. I, I, as a games reviewer, I turn down those big games all the time, those 50 hours. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're on the blurb. They're boasting that it's 75 hours of gameplay. I instantly go, no, I'm not interested. I'm not going to sit there for 75 <laughs> hours to complete a game just to write a 800-word review on it. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, unless, unless it's some big publication that wants to throw loads of money at that time. You've got to think that's like two weeks worth of work. Yeah. 70 yeah. hours playing because you've got to, you know, try and finish as much of the game as you can. And I, in, in general, my, it's, it's not an attention span thing. It's a skill thing for me. For me, video games is about getting a high score, getting the fastest time, beating my mate and getting, you know, being able, to, being able to lord it over him. When it's a game that, as you say, like Red Dead Redemption 2, where there's just five hours of story at the start. I just think if I want that, I'll watch a film. Yes. Or I... I'll watch a TV show or something that, so don't need to hate all these. I, I there was one recently, The Last of Us, or well, last 10 years. Everyone rages like the best video game ever. I've tried to play it a few times now, and I within like an hour or two, I'm just like, I've seen more story and more people talking than I've actually pushed buttons. Yeah, and that's not to knock it. I haven't played The Last of Us, a lot of people love it. And I, this is not one of those podcasts where old games are the best and new games are oh, no, not at all. New games are brilliant, you know, and, and they're, they're potentially better. I am coming around, it's, it's almost impossible to say what is the best video game of all time. I am slowly coming round to the idea that the greatest game of all time is Pac Man. And because Miss Pac Man, uh, Miss Pac Man's good. I'm more of a uh, an really? OG. I'm an OG. Yeah, and I yeah. tell you why, because if I, every time I go and play Pac-Man and there's an arcade near me that has it, I look for the button and there isn't a button. It's just a stick and that's it. It's just a stick and it's really, really simple what you've got to do. And you can go and have, you can have, I can never have one game on there, but you can go, right, I want to play Pac-Man for 20 minutes. Boom, you're done. That's it. And also, I can get onto screen four, and my kids think I'm a god for being able to do that. They don't know that's, that's it. not great. Talking about Pac-Man, I went to a game show last week called EGX, which is a big, mod- lots of modern yeah. games. Uh, you know, see all the new Mario games and things like that, and, and all Call of Duties and all that sort of stuff. But every year, they always have a little section in the corner, which is just like old arcade cabinets and a, and a couple of old consoles set up. First thing I do when I get there every year is I go straight to the Pac-Man machine. I get the highest, highest score I can. Right. And then I'll come back by the end of the day and three years running. No one's beat my score yet. (laughs) (laughs) What can I ask? This is a very personal question. If it's too personal, tell me to get lost. What do you type in to the high score table? Do you put ace? You go for ace. I don't know why. I I think I saw my older brother do it because he used to like his old fighter pilots, you know, ace, you know, ace. Yeah, yeah. It's a a cool name. Ace is one of the coolest names you can get. I must have when I was very young playing Commodores and stuff, I must have just seen my older brother type in ACE and it just stuck. And I've always typed that in ever it's since. Funny. I don't know. What, what, I would, what do you type in? I, I've got one of two, right? My my full name, Lee is not, well, it is my last name now legally, but my full name was Ian Lee Rugby. So I will put I-L-R. But the reason I ask is because when I played it today, I got the high score and I put in... um I put in F-U-K. And I was reminded that that's what I used to do. I used to love uh, the local swimming baths, playing Defender or wherever it was, putting in putting in those three letters, thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm the big guy. I just put a swear. In. Isn't, that, isn't that ridiculous? But at the age, I would do it at the age of 10, 40 years later, in the still privacy of it. my own home, I'm still doing it, Faith. I'm still doing it. Isn't that what makes gaming so great? The great <laughs> thing about video gaming is, it, unlike TV and films and possibly music, um, you are you're interacting with it. You can express yeah. yourself through it. Whereas more more sort of placid entertainments, if you like, um, you know, you're kind of you just get to absorb it and then think about it and, and have an emotional reaction. With video games, you're 
you you have to interact and actually do it and make it your own world so yeah, yeah i think that's great why shouldn't you put swear words on on, on, on the high scoreboard it's we terrible all did it. we've all been there i i looked up jetpack on ebay mm-hmm. and um normally with stuff like this you can find loads of copies i i, I could not see one copy of it couldn't find a copy of it really? anywhere and i'm surprised i remember it came in a really lovely like sort of bigger textured cardboard box it was beautifully presented it's not on not on ebay at all which is which is strange for such a popular game you'd think yeah because it sold over three hundred thousand units wow was released. That i think that's just on the spectrum as well it's one of the biggest selling spectrum games Blimey. of all time um which is i mean it's three hundred thousand by today's standards is the drop in the ocean for most games but and um, that at the time, especially just in the UK scene where it was released for the yeah. Spectrum and then later like the BBC and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's an incredible achievement. Um, but yeah, I find that strange that there aren't any. Yeah. It might, I think maybe maybe because it is genuinely one of the best games of that time, the, the, the early mid 80s. Maybe everyone that is collects those games probably has a copy. Yeah, I'm looking maybe. for it now and it's not there. That's the weirdest. Uh, how are you weirdest... spelling it, though? Because I, I realized when I was looking at this. Jetpack's got two spellings. So you've got the J-E-T space P-A-C. Okay. Yeah. And then it's all one word as well. So some some some, some publications and even Love on it. even on Rare's own website, there was just there was like a, this, this disparity with the space in the name. No, not there. Not there and under so, any of no, those I spellings. I find that strange that Jetpack, you can't buy a yeah. copy on like a Spectrum. on S- Some of those old cassettes, the, the, the people people chance their arm and they put them up for 100 quid. It's like, get out of town. Um, yeah. Faith, before we go, is there anything you've not said about this game or gaming that you would like to communicate to the thousands of people listening I- to us right now? I do. I found that there, I, I've got some tips. Is that good? Tips and, so, tips yeah. Maybe we should do like cheats and hacks and stuff at some point. Yeah. The tips are great. I'm in. Go on. Because I realise the game itself is pretty simple. Yeah. Um, unlike other games you've covered on this podcast where there's you know, there's no story <laughs> or anything. It just is it's just an arcade game. So yeah. I noticed on the first level, yeah. if you raise Jetman, his name is, we found out now, right to the top of the screen and float him around the middle, you can't get you can't get killed yeah so then, so then you've just got to wait for the fuel or whatever to appear go and grab it drop it off and go straight back to the top so the top of the middle bit is seemed like a safe space for most levels it didn't work for level two because i tried that on level two and those things are bouncing up and down yeah that one so that level doesn't work so well but i think it was level three when i got to play with about 30 seconds that trick worked again the other thing okay. i say is i realized afterwards it took me a while to realize but you can just hold the shoot button down and he constantly keeps firing right I, that took me a while. At first, I was tapping really hard to like keep doing the shots. Yeah, but you can just hold it down. That's not explained anywhere. So. Are you a keyboard or a joystick kind of person? I did it. I to 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 be authentic. I did it on a keyboard yeah. on an emulator. I'm I tried to feel as authentic as possible to play it. I did try. I I then saw that it, it was on. Um, I oh, I, look. Being be, be, be the sort of person I was, I tried it on all of them. I tried it on BBC, Spectrum, and a few others, just to, uh, just to get the overall feeling. I think the Spectrum one is probably the best one. Okay. Sadly, I did want it to be the BBC one because I knew you, you, you'd have something to celebrate. Thank you. But, but, uh, but yes, no, apart from that, I haven't really got anything else to say about it, except right. that it's incredibly frustrating, yeah. but in the best possible way, where you just want to, it's got, I, I hate this phrase, but just that one last go. Yeah. Yeah. sort of appeal to it and i I've think got, it's, it's a classic game i have two final questions they mm-hmm. they ban gaming it's illegal it's outlawed all the machines and all of the discs and everything are destroyed you can have nothing more to do with it what is faith going to do oh wow uh, i'm going to be watching a lot more 
like 1920s German expressionist movies and oh. study those instead. Wow. Okay. Like, like Metropolis. You're wearing the Metropolis top. Yeah. And final question. Um, I asked, we're living in a different world, right? I, I interview comedians and stuff for Radio 4. And we had this comedian on and, and I said, right, if people want to find out more about you, Steve, I said he was called Steve, where do they go? He went, oh, just Google me. I was like, oh, that's what people do now. They, they don't necessarily have websites. However, I'm going to try the question with you. The answer, retro faith might be Google. If people want to find out more about you, where do they go? Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I've got I've got kind of the persona of retro faith, which yeah, if you Google retro faith, it will come up with everything like Twitter, good name and streams and yeah. stuff. Yeah, but I also as 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 a a, a serious. I'll put that in the most uh, most air bubble way I can. I'm a serious games journalist. You'll find me on, uh, yeah, on the BBC and Retro Gamer magazine and yeah. other bits and places. But yeah, if you type in Retro Fave, you kind of find most of my stuff and go from there. Yeah. Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed this, uh, and it's it was lovely to see um, to see Jetpack. A real surprise. You su- you suggested it, but I had a a, a fun. 25 minutes playing it uh, uh you if you're listening to this you can if you just type it in you can you can play it on the pc yeah. um and i had a lot of fun so faith thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it no wonderful thank you very much i had real fun today thank you so much for listening to the podcast if you want to get the podcast ad free if you want to get it before it's released to the public please head over to my patreon patreon.com slash ian lee i-a-i-n-l-e-e and a big shout out to uh, my patrons this month craig hannon sam hughes harsh singh martin warren thank you so so much and of course hats off to our executive producer uh, for this episode matt stanley evans Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.